The security clearance process is complicated. Maybe you find yourself applying for a position with the national security community and then finding yourself with questions you don't know how to answer. Maybe you've held an active security clearance for decades and now find yourself wondering if you need to report that DUI or if your bankruptcy will be flagged under the new continuous vetting program. Security clearance policies are changing and it can be hard to keep up. Whether you're a security clearance applicant, defense industry hiring manager, or government agency, it's okay to have questions. We have the answers. Welcome to Security Clearance Insecurity on Federal News Radio. Brought to you by your host, Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com and Sean Bigley with security clearance law firm, Bigley Ranish. Hi, this is Lindy Kaiser with clearancejobs.com and welcome to this episode of Security Clearance Insecurity on Federal News Radio. This is a super exciting week for clearancejobs.com. We are hosting our Connect 2022 conference. We did a soft launch of this conference last year and wanted to kind of test the waters for putting together a national security cleared careers type conference, bringing together recruiters, security officers, and specialists business development professionals, basically anybody who has a vested interest in the national security workforce and the future of that workforce. We're just really thrilled to be doing that again this year. So today on this episode of ClearedCast, I am joined by the lovely Katie Keller, content marketing manager with Clearance Jobs and Jill Hamilton, senior editor at clearancejobs.com. They're a part of our team that's helping to put together the conference and event and doing different aspects. Jill was just discussing how a key part of her job is getting all of the swag materials for the conference. So yes, there will be prizes and giveaways if you attend the event. But we just want to spend some time talking about, you know, the event and what to expect and why we're doing this. So my first kind of question, I guess, that we'll we'll kind of unpack a little bit together is what you can expect from the event. So just in your capacities, helping to put it together, having attended last year, maybe what's a key takeaway? Folks who are maybe listening to this and kind of preparing or gearing up folks who are a part of our community. What can they expect from this year's this year's conference or event? I'll start with you, Katie. Well, I'm really excited about this year because, Lindy, I mean, you are a fantastic planner. I know that you said it gives you kind of a heart attack, but last year went so incredibly well, and I'm just really excited about this year. And one of the main reasons I'm excited about this year is because we're actually splitting it off into two tracks. So there's going to be on the afternoon portion, you can attend the security clearance track where we're going to have a couple of panels, some incredible guest speakers from both government and industry. And then there's going to be a recruitment breakout. And so we're going to have folks, leaders from the recruiting industry. And, you know, one of the things I think is important specific to cleared recruiting is just how important the security clearance process is in getting in the next generation of talent into the workforce or potential pool of candidates. And so where those two intersect, I think is really important. So that's one of the things that you can expect from Clearance Jobs Connect this year. Yeah, obviously, really cool swag. That's not why you go to conferences, but you know, it does help. Is it? I mean, sometimes <laughs> you do. I don't know. I mean, sometimes you're like, ah, I, that's a really great water bottle. I really like that. 
We're going to be at AUSA coming up. I guarantee you there's like lots of people who go to AUSA just for the swag. I'm just going to say it. So find us at AUSA too. You can see us there. Yeah. So, and then I think as Katie pointed out, the two tracks, you know, it's definitely a great event to bring at least two people, you know, if you have two people on your recruiting team, one to get security clearance updates or even like connect with somebody, haha, connect, see what I did there. Uh, Connect with someone else in the industry, like and share notes afterwards. And as you network with one another, one of the things that we, we bring to the table because you get to hear from like DCSA and hear straight from the government things that are changing in the security clearance process, what you can expect coming up. And that kind of information just can really fuel your future recruiting efforts. You know, as Katie alluded to, like getting the next generation of talent in, all those things are going to be impacting that. And this is a conference where you can come in and hear right from the government leaders and other recruiting people in the industry, like different, either different tactics or different policies, upcoming changes, all that key information all in one day, one major event. Yeah, well, the networking aspect of it, I think is key. I think we've noticed that with in-person events being back that people have really missed that. Like we actually are human beings who like to see each other's faces sometimes to the extent that we can do that is a great opportunity for folks to be able to network and collaborate and get together. Years back, Clarence Jobs used to do these uncareer fair events and we kind of brought together candidates and recruiters and tried to do a more unconventional career networking event. And we found doing those we thought that it would be all about connecting the recruiters and the candidates, but the recruiters love to connect with each other. And that's kind of what brought Connect together is we're saying like, hey, recruiters, there are only so many, and especially in the national security space, we couldn't find another event that was wholly focused on national security recruiters, which as you know, Katie is such a unique experience and pool and being able to kind of commiserate and connect with folks who are in that similar boat from a recruiting experience, I think was super valuable. And that's why kind of the purpose of Connect is saying it will actually improve your hiring efforts to build your peer-to-peer network with other recruiters. Maybe can you speak to that, Katie, and and why there's value in that? And attending something like this, you're going to learn, but you're also going to have a lot of breaks and networking opportunities and a happy hour. Why is that great for people to take advantage of? Well, I was pregnant during last year's Connect, so I'm I'm really looking forward to this happy hour. (laughs) No, but I mean, I think in recruitment, it's, it's, so easy to get, I mean, recruiters are naturally competitive and it's so easy to feel like you have to put the horse blinders on. Like you said, networking and connecting with other recruiters it can help to fuel your candidate pipelines. For example, if you make a recruiter connection where you almost are helping each other out with the candidates that you don't have current work for and sort of sharing those candidates, I think that's really important. And then, yeah, I mean, to even employ just, you know, tactics or best practices, I think it's so important for people to discuss that. And in other industries, I think it happens a lot more often. And like I said, in recruitment, it's just, it's so competitive. And so you're told, you know, you need to you need to poach candidates, you need to get the next candidate in, you need to take that candidate from that recruiter or reach that candidate first. And so the, yeah, building the connections is really important. And I think from Connect, everyone will be able to take away an actionable sort of insight that they can put to use within their recruitment teams. But, you know, aside from that, I'm hoping that everyone just leaves with one connection that can help position themselves to be a little more successful and, you know, their hiring efforts 
efforts for the rest of this year and beyond. Yeah, and I love the format this year that we're going with a ton of speakers. We're even having kind of spark set sessions in the morning with a few folks who are kind of giving rapid fire remarks. And the notion is, yeah, you're going to definitely get at least one critical takeaway, something you can implement, and you're going to hear from a lot of different speakers within a one day conference. I think sometimes you come to things and if you're sitting in, you know, one room or one spot and hearing a lot of speakers, you know, speak for a long time about a single topic, that can be great. But I think it's really, it's a lot of bang for your buck in terms of a one day event. And recruiters only have so much time. I think that's, you know, part of the issue too with attending conferences and events when you're in something like recruiting, because you have a lot of deliverables, a lot of things to get done for your time at Connects, you're really going to have a lot of opportunities to, again, get actual insights. If you are looking for help with your clearance jobs profile, we're going to have a help desk there that can do that. The purpose of the conference is actually not to talk about how awesome clearance jobs is. You can just talk to me anytime and I'll tell you how awesome it is. The purpose is to give you actual information, but if you need help with your clearance jobs profile or you're wondering about how to make better use of the clearance jobs marketplace, you'll have that opportunity with help desk support and staff and getting to meet and know key folks who are doing different parts of the the clearance jobs brand. Now I want to pivot and talk a little bit about some of the different speakers that we have. I love them all. So it's like, it's I used to joke, Jill, like picking the contributors, like which one is my favorite is like deciding your favorite child. I feel like it's going to be the same with Connect speakers because I know so many of them personally and so well. But are there any speakers that you're particularly excited about hearing to speak or folks that you think will maybe provide some insight, you know, or a takeaway that you think would be you'd want to mention or tease to now as we get ready or gear up for the conference? I mean, for me personally, I love them all. You know, like Tommy did so great last year. So glad he's agreed to come back again. Like it's fun for me as a the editor for the news site to have contributors who are also able to speak. So like to be able to meet Sean Bigley. <laughs> Um, He's an attorney. He just has a lot of great insight that's really practical. And obviously, he's looked at all the different security clearance ramifications. And I think his approach in like making sure that you can keep candidates clearable, but also what to do if they run into some situations in their personal life that impact their security clearance. And I think his approach to that has just always been keeping talent within the cleared industry. I think that's a really helpful thing to think about. One of the things I was thinking about when you were talking was just about just a partnered approach that we have and just all the different pieces coming together here with, you know, you get clearance lawyers, there's recruiters, there's the government side of things, all working together. And that's what I think the beauty of this conference is too, like where we have a lot of people that all work together within the same ecosystem because we want to support national security. We want to support that for our country. And it just, it requires a lot of people coming together to do that. He's just one standout, but I do think there are many, there are many there. And come with your questions too. I think the format is, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have opportunities for you to ask questions of folks like Sean. So he, again, he is, has a lot of expertise around this. He's going to be talking about security clearance, hot topics. So whether it's marijuana or please, by all means, ask him about OnlyFans <laughs> or something super embarrassing that would, you know, I'm, well, should we say that yet? There's still time for him to not come. No, Sean, you're in. We're going to ask you all of our hot topics. But I think just it's it's going to be a great format for that. And again, like Katie teased to earlier, we have the breakouts in the afternoon so that you can kind of swap back and forth between recruiting and security clearance topics. Yeah, and I'd be remiss to not discuss the great government speakers that we have. Heather Green from DCSA is going to be there. Mark Fraunfelter from ODNI. A lot of expertise around Trusted Workforce 2.0 and continuous vetting. I know last year we had a 
attendees who had questions about the polygraph process and different aspects of cleared hiring. So we have folks who are involved in all of those aspects and processes who are going to be there. So I just think it's a great opportunity to come to be able to have your questions answered, to be able to hear directly from the government about things like Trusted Workforce 2.0 and continuous vetting, DIS and NBIS and all of these changes that are happening. And then also just, again, hear from leadership across the government space too, I think is just a really great opportunity and doesn't always come around. So that's a, definitely a key benefit of Connect. Maybe, you know, as we kind of close out a little bit, what's what are some other benefits or takeaways? What's something that someone can do to prepare, whether it's for Connect or even AUSA or other events coming up? What are I know, Katie, you're our resident kind of event guru. What's your takeaway in terms of what people should do before preparing to attend an event like Connect or something else? Sure. I mean, you spoke to it. Recruiters rarely get this opportunity to ask questions of the government or some of these other top industry leaders. And so come prepared with questions. You don't get this opportunity. You don't get the opportunity to you know, plant the seed of maybe some obstacles that you're facing. And so that's why I, I loved this conference last year. I'm going to love it every year that we do it. It's so nice to see recruiters just be able to vent about the issues you know, with each other. But again, plant that seed with the government and the folks that are making policy and just letting them know what their obstacles are. So one way to prepare, come prepared with questions. The other thing is just, you know, come confident and ready to sort of talk about some of the things that you're working on, some of the challenges that you're facing as a recruiter and, you know, really put yourself out there in making those connections, trying to get contacts so you can better position yourself in hiring today. And I think it is all about making those connections. And come prepared to have fun. I am so excited. I will be hosting the recruitment breakout room. So I'm really excited to see everybody's faces and come to listen to some of the really exciting speakers that we have lined up. I do want to note a few from our room. We've had a couple of these people on the podcast and Nicole Gibson, she's on the Intelligence and National Security Alliance's Committee for Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. So she's been on the podcast. She's going to speak to diversity recruitment. We have a couple others that are going to be talking about survival tips for today's recruiter. So you certainly don't want to miss that. And then Eric Eversold, the president of Hiring Our Heroes, and he has a lot of really great insights into reaching veteran talent because they make up, I think, like 70 to 80% of the cleared people on clearancejobs.com. And so reaching those veterans before the next recruiter is very important. So those are some things I'm excited about and some ways that people can prepare. Jill, any thoughts on your end about what people should do to prepare for Connect? I, I mean, it sounds pretty basic, but come ready to learn. I mean, there's not just from the speakers, there's going to be lots of different nuggets and different takeaways that you can have throughout the day. Because like you said, it is jam packed, but also from each other, like that's the value of networking and like coming in and just asking people different questions about either candidates you're looking for or ideas or things like that, where I do think there is that the partner approach where people coming together in national security, the candidate pool is smaller than another, you know, for other industries. And so there is kind of a looking out for each other because you might have the perfect candidate for somebody else that you don't, who you don't need anymore, not anymore, but like who, who didn't fit that role. But and you never know later on down the line where you might need them. So building those different relationships with each other 
can also help to solve some of the talent shortages that we're facing, along with coming up with different ideas of how to attract the next generation and how to make sure there's diversity in our hiring, all those things. We love our cleared recruiters and all the people in our network. And so it's kind of fun for us as well, I think, just show them the love, (laughs) you know, like just have that day with them, come prepare for all that. Yeah, I think for this year's event, I mean, my whole goal in life is to get people to smile and have a good time. So (laughs) if if we can't do it at Connect, I mean, just put me out to pasture. I'm done. So that is the one thing you can count on. We're going to try to show you a good day and a fun day and make it worth your while to attend. So in addition to a lot of really value added content, I think it's one of the things that I've loved about clearance jobs is that, you know, the work that we do is serious, but we don't always have to take ourselves seriously. The national security mission is super important, but we do legitimately love our customers. I have like an excess of love. So if I come up to you at Connect, you're going to have to like tell me what your boundaries are in terms of public displays of affection. I will be very excited to connect with everybody in person and see them and just to, you know, have a chance to, again, just as we build our marketplace at clearance jobs, getting all of these different voices across industry, government, academia will be there. Just had a lot of representation in a lot of different sectors and Connect brings all of those people together to have a good time and then move our national security workforce forward in a very significant and practical way. So please join us at Connect. By the time we release this, I highly expect the conference to actually be sold out, but I might be surprised. You might still have the chance to get a few tickets left, but we will probably be pretty close. So if you do not get to attend, mark your calendar definitely to, you know, to hopefully we'll have some sessions available to watch on demand later and mark your calendar for next year because we certainly do hope at Clearance Jobs this will be an annual event. Well, thank you so much, Jill and Katie for joining me. Join the Northern Virginia Technology Council at the Capital Security Summit taking place 3 to 7 October 19th at the Capital One Hall in Tysons. The summit will highlight the latest cybersecurity trends, technologies, and federal policies and gather the best and brightest minds in the cyber and national security sectors. Winners of the fourth annual NVTC Capital Cyber Awards will also be announced. Learn more at CapitalCyberSummit.com. Need to hire security clear professionals? Reach the largest collection of cleared candidates with ClearanceJobs.com. Clear professionals trust the privacy and security of Clearance Jobs Career Network along with federal agencies and more than a thousand intelligence and defense contractors. Features like IntelliSearch, Workflow, and Meetings make it easy to build relationships, pipeline, and automate the recruiting process while slashing time to hire. Get more information and learn how you can connect with top cleared candidates at clearancejobs.com. not a guarantee or warranty of results. I'm attorney Sean Bigley. The denial or revocation of your security clearance is a devastating blow, but effective legal representation can make a difference. Contact my team at Bigley Ranish LLP for a free case evaluation. Find us online at biglylaw.com. Federal security clearances are all we do. Welcome back. I am attorney Sean Bigley, and I'm here with my co-host, Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com. 
We're talking this segment about dealing with undocumented family members and the implications on someone's security clearance. And, you know, Lindy, I know this is a, a sensitive topic for a lot of folks, and uh, we have to sort of uh, make sure that we're dealing with this in a responsible way. But is this something that you have seen on the discussion boards at Clearance Jobs? Oh, I mean, definitely. We get a fair number of questions about having undocumented family members. It obviously comes up because when you're filling out the SF86, you have to list a lot of relatives, you know, spouse cohabitant information, it can come up, it can come up in listing parents, other family members, and folks will have that question and are worried that if they have folks in their family that are undocumented, that that will become an immigration issue for those individuals. And the other way I've seen it come up too is after the fact with the clearance denial or revocation with somebody who had family members who were undocumented and they just failed to list them. And obviously that's kind of the you know, the downside of this, where if, you, if you're filling out the SF-86, you do have to be honest and truthful on it, even if you have individuals that are undocumented or that are not U.S. citizens. Have you ha- seen that come up in your practice or with cases you've had with folks who have either failed to list someone or maybe have listed someone and then it become an issue in another way? I have. Yeah. And, you know, this is a question that we get a lot as well. I mean, there are I think by some estimates now, north of 15 million undocumented folks in the United States, increasingly the odds of having somebody in your family or your network who is undocumented, it's just rising every year. And so we're getting cases where particularly in in border states, border communities, folks who are applying even at agencies like Border Patrol or ICE, and they're coming to us saying, hey, you know, I'm really interested in this job, but I have family members who are undocumented. What do I do? It's less common still in some other communities that are, you know, more removed from the border, but we are still seeing it. The first thing that I would tell anybody in that situation is the Department of Homeland Security does take a very firm line on this issue when it comes to hiring people at immigration related agencies. So if you have undocumented relatives, and you are interested in pursuing a career at Border Patrol, ICE, CBP, USCIS, any of the agencies that their primary mission is dealing with immigration-related issues, oftentimes we've seen the agency say, this is what we would consider to be a suitability issue where you know we can't hire you to work here because we think it presents a conflict of interest. Unfortunately for those folks, there's not really a way around that. Most other government agencies though, have a a more open mind about this sort of thing and and recognize that adults make their own choices. And if you are applying for a security clearance and have, you know, adult relatives in your family, you're not really responsible for the decisions that they've made. That being said, there are exceptions. One of the chief ways that we see people create problems for themselves with security clearances is by financially supporting an undocumented relative or having them live with you. That is technically considered harboring an illegal alien, which is a federal crime. And the government you know, does make an issue out of that. The other way that we've seen it come up is if the individual, the individual being the security clearance applicant, has had any involvement in facilitating the person's entry to the United States illegally or staying in the United States illegally, helping them in any other way. Maybe it's not harboring an illegal alien, but anything that would lead a reasonable person to believe that you know you've helped facilitate that that could also be problematic and then you know finally as you point out Lindy not listing these folks 
on the SF-86. I, I see a lot of cases where people out of nervousness, they don't want to do that. And so they think, well, you know, if I just sort of fudge it or I leave this person off, who's going to know? That oftentimes becomes a much bigger problem. And, you know, again, I, I understand the anxiety. If you are applying for a clearance and you have undocumented family members, you don't want to be potentially calling attention to them. But practically speaking, my experience personally has been that these SF-86s, this information is not going to be shared with immigration authorities. It stays you know, in the background investigation process. That's what it's used for. That doesn't mean it can't happen. It doesn't mean it won't ever happen. It doesn't mean it won't happen to you. It just means that in my entire career, I have never seen that happen. So you know, folks can take from that whatever comfort they can, but it is still something that potentially could be an issue. Yeah. I mean, I think that point is one that's key to to bring up. That is usually how the question comes down. They're saying like, hey, I don't want to get my family members into any trouble. Is this information going to go, you know, directly to Customs and Border Patrol or, or in any capacity like that? And in my experience, it does not. I mean, it is the individuals you list are listed in terms of establishing your reliability, trustworthiness, and ability to access classified information. And clearly, having family members that you are scared um, might be deported out of the country is going to be a bigger issue in terms of potential blackmail issue, obviously, because it's basically advertising the government. I have a key concern, and I'm so concerned about it that I'm not even willing to list this person on my SF-86. But outside of, like you say, specific law enforcement agencies or components, having undocumented family members in some capacity. I mean, we've even seen this in other applications. Like, you're not necessarily responsible for your family members as a security clearance holder. I mean, they are an aspect of it, but actually differentiating yourself from them in the sense of, hey, I might have family members who have done things that are illegal. I am not a part of the things that they are doing that are illegal. We've had folks who have failed to list family members who were incarcerated at the time because they didn't want to list that on their SF-86 because they thought the government was going to care. And we've had to say, actually, you probably could have mitigated that, the fact that your family member was incarcerated, but you cannot mitigate the fact that you did not list them on the SF-86. That is always going to going to turn into a much bigger issue because you were trying to hide something from the government. Never a good look. Right. I completely agree. The lie is often much worse than what's being concealed. One other thing I think is also worth mentioning here because I have personally seen it come up is DACA cases. This is, you know, an area of law that's very complicated. And, you know, frankly, a lot of legal scholars have looked at the DACA program and, you know, sort of said, well, this is kind of twisting the words of the federal statutes and the applicable regulations, but the the government has kind of contorted itself into different ways to make this policy stick in the absence of any comprehensive legislation. And so unfortunately, some people have misinterpreted that to mean that having family members with DACA status means that, you know, all is hunky-dory and, you know, there's no issue here. That is not the case. We have seen federal agencies raise as an issue uh, the fact that somebody has a family member with DACA, particularly the immigration-related agencies, they've raised it as a suitability issue. It's resulted in non-hiring because they say, you know, DACA simply means that the person uh, has a temporary reprieve from removal, but it does not mean that they are here legally. And that is, you know, a key distinction. So, that's something that people need to keep in mind as well. Uh, you know, minors, whether they have DACA or or not, 
are a little bit different ball of wax. Obviously, you know, if you have a minor living with you who doesn't have legal status, that raises other issues in terms of uh, potential, you know, child neglect, abandonment, things like that. I don't think most people are going to credibly say that you should just kick the kid to the curb um, at the risk of, you know, being crass. But the folks who are adults and have DACA, I, I don't want anybody to misinterpret that and think that that's kind of a green light to allow them to live with you or support them financially. For security clearance holders, that may still present a security or suitability risk. Thank you for listening to this episode of Security Clearance Insecurity. Please note the information provided on this program is intended as general information only and should not be construed as legal advice. Consult a security clearance attorney regarding your specific situation. Have a question about security clearance process? Interested in submitting your own topic for security clearance insecurity? Have a question you'd like us to address on a future episode? Drop us an email, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for tuning in to Security Clearance Insecurity with your host, Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com and Sean Bigley of security clearance law firm, Bigley Ranish. Join us next time as we continue to answer all the questions about security clearance careers you have, but we're too afraid to ask your security manager.